0: Two months down, 10 more to go. The days are getting longer and soon we'll pass through the Ides of March and then the equinox on our way to the rest of the year. The calendar reads March 1st, 2021, and this is the first installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for this 31-day period. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, Louisa County announces a $15 million investment to bring about universal broadband within the county. Charlottesville City Council will be asked to endorse the Cherry Avenue Small Area Plan six weeks after the Planning Commission got their turn, and the city's proposed capital budget for fiscal year 22 allocates a smaller amount for the proposed Seventh Street parking garage. This first installment of the month is supported by the 200 people who have now made a financial contribution to allow me to keep doing this work each and every day. I'm almost a year into this experiment in independent journalism, and I'm so very grateful for all of you. If you're interested in helping me make this endeavor sustainable, contact me and let's talk about some options. Tonight, Charlottesville City Council will take action on whether to add the Cherry Avenue Small Area Plan to the city's comprehensive plan. Council's public hearing was held on January 12, 2021. During the planning commission meeting that night, and the commissioners wanted some revisions. City planner Matt Alfley said at that meeting that this plan has been a long time in the making. I know one of the driving principles of our community is engagement, and and on letting the neighborhood drive the planning process. This is very true with the plan before you tonight. In 2015, the Fifeville Neighborhood Association created a visioning document to position their location to be the next area chosen to receive the master planning treatment. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District was hired to develop the plan, which Alfalee said will fit into the overall city planning process in Charlottesville, including the comprehensive plan. The Cherry Avenue Small Area Plan, if adopted, is a high-level policy document that will help with the Uh, completion of these other documents, most notably the zoning rewrite. TJPDC planner Nick Morrison explained why Fifeville residents wanted this plan. Residents of Fifeville had noted this pressure of displacement, specifically of longtime residents and the need for additional affordable housing, stresses on the neighborhood from traffic, um, particularly along the commercial corridor of Cherry Avenue. The neighborhood came up with a series of goals they wanted to see in the plan. Morrison stated one of them. To lift up and preserve Fifeville's legacy of African-American leadership and highlight its unique sense of place as a culturally diverse neighborhood. A chart in the plan states that residents do not want to see large apartment buildings such as the ones that have been built on West Main Street. But they do want to see preservation of existing housing and the creation of new subsidized housing. There are several undeveloped parcels on Cherry Avenue and Roosevelt Brown Boulevard within a mixed-use district. A medium-density residential district runs along 5th Street Extended, which would allow some multi-family apartment buildings by right. A special use permit would be required on this land for projects that would be between 22 and 43 dwelling units per acre. City Councilor Lloyd Snook noted a tension between the desire of the neighborhood to remain at a low residential density on the one hand, and a push for the city to build more units to increase supply on the other. So I'm just conscious of the fact that in the in the next year, when we're going to be having an affordable housing plan, a comp plan, a zoning rewrite, zoning code rewrite, we're going to have to confront sort of the second order issue here. And focusing only on and receiving information and opinion on only the first order issue may not help us in the long run in our analysis. Before recommending approval, commissioners asked for more information on renovations and teardowns that have taken place between the years 2010 and 2020. One of the transportation recommendations in the plan is already funded, T3 calls for the widening of a turn lane from Cherry Avenue onto Ridge Street. Charlottesville was awarded a $6.1 million smart scale grant for a project called 5th Street Southwest Corridor Improvements. You can click on the link in the newsletter to get the details. Charlottesville City Council will also be presented tonight with a $190.7 million operating and capital budget for the fiscal year that begins on July 1st. During a press briefing today, City Manager Chip Boyles said preparing a budget during a time of economic uncertainty has been a challenge for staff. Known decreased revenues in the current year and unknown revenue and expense projections for fiscal year 22 make this a difficult task at best. Staff has taken a very conservative approach to go into FY22 and is hoping for the best. Meals tax and lodging tax revenues have been down sharply in the current fiscal year since the pandemic, with restrictions in place on gathering spaces. Staff expect the trend to continue into the next fiscal year. Ryan Davidson is a senior budget management analyst with Charlottesville. For lodging and meals, Neither of those do we see getting back to 100% uh, pre-COVID of collection rates before the end of this fiscal year, hopefully, or for the end of fiscal year 22. Hopefully we'll be wrong and things will rebound. One change made during the development of the capital budget is that there is now only $1 million in funding proposed in the next fiscal year for the proposed 7th Street parking garage, with $7 million expected to be spent in fiscal year 23. Chrissy Hamill is the city's other senior budget management analyst. She said the city can still meet its obligations to provide parking for Albemarle County per a 2018 agreement to build a joint general district court downtown. The dollar amount that's put in here now it gives us enough time and gives staff the flexibility to continue doing that research with some funding available. The recommended budget also includes no additional city taxpayer funds for the West Main streetscape, over the next five years. But council is expected to further discuss the future of that initiative in the coming budget work sessions. As part of a staff recommendation, um, just from an affordability standpoint, as we've talked about in those presentations, we took out any additional funding for West Main and added the school reconfiguration project. Absent um some real solid um, direction from council. We have not made any changes in the CIP. We've not changed our position there um, in hopes that once we get to these work sessions as part of the budget, then there will be some decisions made. The first budget work session is Thursday at 4 p.m. This afternoon, Louisa officials pledged to make broadband internet available to every home and business in the county within the next four years. Christian Goodwin is the county administrator. He spoke on a live YouTube feed, and he acknowledged that that could not be currently accessed by all who live in Louisa. Today, I'm pleased to announce that we're unveiling plans that change that here in Louisa County, and that we're developing a blueprint that other localities and providers can follow. Louisa will invest $15 million in a partnership with Rappahannock Electric Cooperative, Firefly Fiber Broadband, and Dominion Energy Virginia. Firefly is a subsidiary of the Central Virginia Electric Cooperative. The funding will help cover construction costs, and end consumers would pay between $50 and $80 a month for service, depending on speed. The first step in the partnership will be an engineering study that will result in a request to the State Corporation Commission for regulatory approval of the service. The goal is to connect half the county by 2023 with full coverage by 2025. Duane Adams is the vice chair of the Louisa County Board of Supervisors. Today, more than ever, the digital divide between rural and suburban America has been brought to light by the COVID-19 pandemic. The inability to access reliable high speed internet has impacted our citizens in nearly every area of their life, from education to telemedicine to the ability to conduct business affairs in a secure environment. Adam said this would bring about a generational change for the county and will also be an economic development tool. You can read more about the details in a press release that's in the newsletter. Finally, today, This week, Virginia is set to receive 69,000 doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for COVID. According to a release sent out Saturday night, the Virginia Department of Health will prioritize this third vaccine to mass vaccination clinics across the Commonwealth. Only one dose is required for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Today, the VDH reports another 1,124 new cases based on about 13,000 tests processed. The statewide percent positivity rating is at 7.1%. And that's it for today's installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you very much for listening, and I would like to say once again, thank you for listening. I really can't thank you enough for paying attention and for hopefully making this into some of uh, something of a habit for you as you look around the community and wonder why things are the way they are or how they could be changed better. Uh, you get there through the decisions made by local government. And my job that I have decided that I'm going to do is to give you the information uh, so you can begin to get involved. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I will be back sometime this week with another installment. It could be Tuesday. It could be Wednesday. Sometimes, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at Seaville Town Crier in order to get production updates and when things are coming. Thanks a lot, and... Talk to you soon. In the meantime, stay safe.